And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this Thursday. Casey Jisclair here with Coach Brian Colley. We've got a fun show coming your way. We've got a lot of call-in guests. Well, not a lot, but we've got a lot of the show that will be occupied by call-in guests today, including in the next segment when we go to Mr. Stan Gravois for our Terrebonne General Thursday interview. Stan will be joining us at 1145 to talk about, hey, week five in high school football. We'll maybe talk a little volleyball. I'm sure we'll get to the Saints and to the um, Derek Carr situation and LSU playing Ole Miss and all that good stuff. We'll talk all of that with Stan. Um, at 12.15, we're going to have Taylor Griffin. Uh, Turtle was busy yesterday, so we uh, we get him on today, and we'll talk about all the same stuff. You know, We'll, we'll break down the things happening in the world of sports. Big NBA trade yesterday. Damian Lillard getting traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we'll talk some WWE and all that good stuff with the Turtle whenever he comes on at 12.15. And the bottom of the show, uh, we'll kind of talk about maybe a little Thursday night football, maybe preview some things happening. But first, um, we lead off with huge LHSAA news. Brian and I have been wondering for many, many weeks what the playoff formula is going to look like, um, what the situation is going to be will South Lafouche be 4A will they be division one non-select we're going to find that out on Tuesday the LHSAA membership is hosting a special meeting for a select definition vote principals will be asked to vote um yeah yeah principals I believe yeah will be asked to vote um voting yes means that we keep the formula that we had last year in place, which is a redefined definition of a select school, 2018 playoff brackets in the public side, 2014 playoff brackets on the private side. That's where South Lafouche's Division One non-select. So a vote of yes keeps it the way it was in 2022. A vote of no sides with the courts, and that reverts everything back to before 2022, and it goes back to the 2021 formula where we have 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, it looks like they're still doing Division 1, 2, 3, and 4 non-select. They're just going to expand the brackets. I'm, yeah, I'm very confused. So it looks like, okay, from what I'm seeing, a vote of no, we're not going back to 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A. We're keeping Division 1, 2, 3, 4, select and non-select, but we're just taking those select schools that used to be um, non-select and putting them back on the non-select side. So, boy, that would make it even more difficult for South Lafouche to make the playoffs then. Um, This is a mess. (laughs) Looking at this, and I thank the folks at Chalmette High School for actually posting this. Yeah, it doesn't look like going back to 4 is even an option. I think from what I read here is the only thing we're voting on is whether or not the schools, the open enrollment schools, go back to the non-select side. That's pretty much the only thing that we're deciding here next week. Um, look, if South Lafouche's Division One non-select with all the open enrollment schools um, that were select on non, like you're not making the playoffs in anything. I mean, it's gonna be, you'd have to have a great season. It's going to be so convoluted. There will be look just for comparison. Right now, in Division One non-select, if you use last year's formula, there's 43 schools and 28 make the playoffs. If they change this, there will be 63 schools and 28 will make the playoffs. It's brutal. That's I haven't had a chance to look at it, but... I'll send it to you. It, uh, it, it, it looks like the only thing we're voting on here 
like I said, it, it, it's not to go back to the way the system was two years ago. It's to go back to what schools are select and non-select two years ago. But the brackets are going to stay the same. It's going to be 28 teams on, on the public school side no matter what we vote. It's going to be 24 teams on the private school side no matter what we vote. And I got to tell you, if this is what we're voting on, they're going to vote yes and just do what they did last year. I mean, no one's going to want this. You got only half of the team. On the public side, you got 63 teams competing for 28 spots. On the private side, you got 13 teams in a 24-team bracket. There's going to be buys everywhere. They're going to they're going to ratify what they what they did. That like we're going to we're going to be operating under next our last year's playoff formula. I have no doubt about that seeing this. I, the more and more this goes on, it is being set up for a January vote. And from what I understand, what one coach had said, each class votes on their own if you want to split or not. It's going more and more. It's going to be all put back together. Because if you need a simple majority instead of the three-fourth amount, whatever, uh, I, I, I can see it coming back all together. And I think... We talked about this a year or so ago about we thought it was a ploy the LHSA was doing to try and get everybody confused and just bring everybody back together. I think this is the end result where we might all be back together. Look, I I grade things based on how it affects the homeschools here in the area. Um, If E.D. White, for instance, who's probably the team that has the best chance to make the dome. If they, if they vote no, E.D. White will be in a 12 will will be one of 12 schools in a 24 team bracket where every single division 2 select school will make the playoffs. Um that that's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that that's ridiculous. And and why like okay, so let me ask you this question now and you may or may not know the answer. Let's say we vote yes. And we keep the formula that we had last year, which is what I think is going to happen. But looking at the no vote, I mean, that that's that's extremely unbalanced. I don't know that anyone would want that. Um, but if we go back to what we did last year, what's to stop those North Louisiana schools from just suing again and, and getting it changed again? Like, the courts have already said, though, your, your definition of select is not legal. So if we just don't abide by that and go back to the 2022 way, why wouldn't they just file another lawsuit and say, hey, your vote wasn't valid, and then the fight continues on? Well, And I think their lawsuit had something to do about the way the vote was taken. Okay, and, so that and, might be. And, yeah, and they've been promised a meeting, didn't have it. So now they're going to have this vote. They're going to present it to the courts after hmm. and say, okay, look, this is what our principals just voted on. So uh, the lawsuit just make go away. This they they should have a, another vote. You all crazy for our for the sake of our public schools in the Bayou region. This vote needs to be yes, and I know no one likes the fact that South Lafourche is Division One non-select. No one likes the fact that South Terrebonne is Division One non-select. But right now you're one of forty three competing for twenty eight spots. If this vote goes the other way, 
you are one of 63 competing for 28 spots. And you're adding all the New Orleans and Lafayette schools that are now out. They'll be put back in. It would be catastrophic for our local teams trying to make playoffs. And Okay. Trying to be objective, you look at the big picture. The way the playoffs and all worked out, the system they had in last place uh, last year at work. The football championship, some great games. Basketball champ, great games. Is you know, it fair to individual schools like South Lafourche and South Terre? No, it's not. But their their end result overall. It worked out and just come up with a solution where your numbers are your numbers. That we are a 4A school. Our numbers are 4A. Why we got to go up to 5A just so we can balance out the playoff brackets? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Well, here's the thing. No matter how this vote goes, no matter what the formula looks like, no matter how we're defining what a select school is or is not, the fact that we're having a vote on this on Tuesday, October 3rd, which is going to be the Tuesday of week six of our football season, is absolutely, positively inexcusable. It's absolutely, positively embarrassing. And it's absolutely positively a sign of what I have been saying here for more than a year. We need a new executive director within the LHSAA because the guy now is just winging it. He's just doing whatever. And you need new leadership at the top. They got some LHSA people that listen to this show. I don't give a damn. Your executive director is inept. And this has been going on for a long time now. We need to, in January, look there first. If your head coach goes 2-8 and eight every year, you fire your head coach. Well, right now, the LHSA, the way they operate is akin to being 2-8 and eight every year. It's time we get some new blood. It's time we get some new motives. It's time we get some new ideas because what we're doing right now is absolutely, positively inexcusable. For in October to be voting on what our playoff system is going to be, that is absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, it's like they meet behind doors. They come up with what they want. They get their lawyers. They word stuff. They send it to the, uh, the principals. Well, I'm going to say send it to the principals. Sometimes it's not even sent to the school. It's more likely to be sent to me as yes. a media of the mem- uh, a member of the media, which also is a problem. And it's they know the end result. I think before it's it's absurd. Mm-hmm. And it, it look. I don't know how the vote's going to go. I lean towards saying that they'll vote yes and they'll keep it the way it was last year. But the fact that we're doing this in week six, that, that's something that should be appalling to every high school football coach in the state of Louisiana. All right, regardless of what yes, no vote, let, let's just, I'm going to pose this question to you. If how many schools you think should, a percentage, should make the playoffs. Is it 50%? 40, 60? About 50, 60%, I would say. I think that's good. My, my, my problem with the no side of things is that the private school brackets, every single one of them, every team would get in. 
And that creates the situations where E.D. White and Vanderbilt don't even have to win a single game to make the playoffs. I, I hate that. Because the non-select with a no vote, correct? <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's 44%. Of the teams will make the playoffs. I, I I would like it to be a little higher. I mean, it's high school, man. Let, let, let the kids get that 11th game. A yes vote, 65 66%. That sounds a little more reasonable to me. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think more than half of the teams, especially when you're dealing with 63 schools. Yeah. So why, that's my thing. If we're if we're if it's voted no and we put the sixty three schools, why wouldn't you then grow out the brackets to thirty two again? Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's why not, not what's being proposed. It's not. It's twenty eight. So uh, Tuesday's going to be an interesting day, and one way or another, Brian and I are going to be shouting about it on play by play. We'll keep you abreast. I think of everything we should happens. make a trip up there. <laughs> I don't know that Objection. they objection. <laughs> I don't know that we would be welcome there based on some of the things that we've been saying. But anyway. Um, We'll let you guys know how that all shakes out. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Mr. Stan Grava. Something tells me Stan's going to have some opinions on this as well. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand-new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big-town inventory and small-town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems, your local power generator professionals, serving the entire Gulf Coast as your Kohler titanium dealer. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators. For the most trusted brands in the industry, Kohler, Generac, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins, Onan, and more, Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems is the place for you. 152 North Hollywood Road in Homa and Highway 3235 in Galliano. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Attention event managers, Joe's Septic Contractors has been there for you in New Orleans and the surrounding areas. Whether it's a construction site, fair or festival, let Joe's Septic Contractors help you determine how many potties and how much temporary fencing you may need for your next event. Visit joeseptic at viscom.net. That's joeseptic at viscom.net. Locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fouchon, Abbeville, Reserve, and Odessa, Texas. Rocking with a little John Cena this morning on Play by Play. We go to the phone lines for the first time today, and we welcome Mr. Stan Gravois on the show. Stan, good morning, buddy. How we doing? Doing well. Good to be with y'all this morning. Absolutely, partner. Look, I just sent you a message. I don't know if it, if it got through. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but Brian and I spent the first segment of the show talking about the big vote that's coming up Tuesday in Baton Rouge where 
the LHSA has thrown us a curveball. We have been under the impression that schools were going to decide, hey, are you are you using your 2022 formula, which redefines select schools, or are you using your 2021 formula, which would be 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, and the select schools would be reclassified based on how they were then. Well, there's going to be a vote Tuesday, and what we thought is not what's going to happen. The only thing we're deciding Tuesday is if we're changing the definition of a select school or not. So if we vote no and we opt to go back to the old definition of a select school, we're still going to have South Lafouche and South Terrebonne in Division One non-select, but all of the public and open enrollment schools are going to be with them. So it'll be even more impossible for the local teams to make the playoffs. They're going to be competing for 28 spots with 63 schools. We thought we were going back to how it was before. Not even remotely, man. This 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 plan here and this vote is ridiculous, man. So what y'all are telling me is starting to make kind of sense from traveling around this week. First thing that happened was a couple of days ago, I saw Butch Terrio over at Homer Christian and Butch mentioned that he was going to have to be in on a vote that basically what was happening is, is although principals are still involved, they were going to give more latitude towards ADs being involved and they were going to vote exactly what you just said on the definition of what is a select school and what is not a select school. Well, I walked away from that thinking to myself, yeah, y'all are going to vote on that, but that is also going to lead to how the structure of the brackets are going to be set up. Then this morning I was talking with uh, Tony Clark about something, and Tony had mentioned that he's got to go to Baton Rouge on Tuesday. And I, again, putting two and two together, assumed that he was going to vote for something that was going to lead to more definition of exactly what the brackets are going to look like. But basically what you're telling me is is they're just going there to vote on what this is, which should have been the foundation of all of this, say, what, at least at the beginning of the summer, this summer, but probably at the beginning of last summer, right? Because now it sounds like it. I can't wait to read what you sent me. And unfortunately, I'm not tech savvy enough to pull my phone away from my face right now and look at it uh, because I'm sure that's how I got it through my uh, cell. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be crazier than ever. The only thing is is what the judges did and what the courts did, excuse me, a few weeks ago, it still wouldn't seem like South Terrebonne and South Lafouche would have to play in that Division One bracket, right? Or am I... Oh no! Oh no! They'll still be there if, if, if even if, if, even if we change the definition of what a select school is, we're still having one a division one, division two, division three, and division four. The only difference is we're going to be moving the open enrollment schools into those brackets. So it's still going to be a 2018 bracket, and it's still going to be the same teams in the same classes. There's just going to be a whole lot more competition. And and Brian and I talked about in the first segment it's going to be impossible for our local teams to stay afloat. Yeah, I don't see how you do. I don't see how you make any of this at all then from there. Because now, yeah, uh, that, that, if that happens at the end of the day on Tuesday of next week, if that's the way this all comes out, it's sort of a signed, sealed, and delivered type thing. <clears throat> Then that's at the point where it would, it would, first of all, it would it surprise me immensely because I think that somebody 
who is logical is going to have to speak up about some things, but I don't know if logic is part of this equation whatsoever. And second, I think that everybody will realize that their role in all of this and where they fall in all of this is going to be basically off the map. You're not going to be, you know, the teams here that have struggled in the past are actually going to drop down even more (laughs) to being non-existent when it comes to these things. Yeah, look, let's talk about some of the games that'll be on the field tomorrow, and let you know, let's settle these politics on Tuesday. I guess uh, we've got some good Week Five matchups. Um, we got um, a couple of local teams; they're probably pretty heavily favored. Terrebonne's probably pretty he- heavily favored against Central Lafourche. Destrehan will be heavily favored against Bourgeois. East Saint John will probably be favored against Hanville. Thibodeau and Ed White can maybe be a little bit interesting, though. Ed White's been playing so well this season; it's hard to envision them maybe stubbing their toe. Ellen, they're in South Terrebonne. The schools are both winless coming in, trying to get their first one. South Lafouche and Letcher will be a good one. Assumption traveling to take on Morgan City. Um, Homa Christian School taking on St. John, and CCA is taking on Hanson Memorial. So we got some good matchups locally, man. Which one you got your eyeballs most peeled to? Oh, of course, I forgot Vanderbilt and St. Charles, which is also a great game as well. Uh, eyes most peeled on. I, I, I don't know that anyone in particular, maybe South Lafouche and Lutcher. Uh, I think that's a big measuring stick for South Lafouche, uh, related to their offense, related to whether the offense gets, get something going against what seems to be a really, really tough Lutcher defense. And I think it probably has the most ramifications for a ultimate district championship of any of the other games that you mentioned. Uh, Hanson and CCA is big because Hanson's like undefeated, but we don't know what that means because I saw some of the competition for Hanson Memorial and it wasn't particularly great. And that's tough for CCA because they got to travel out there to play that game. Uh, you, you know, er- everything else you said about the other games, I sort of agree with. I don't think any of them uh, have any kind of star power related to what we think the outcome might be or. Could it be an upset? It's Terrebonne's homecoming. Could that cause them a little bit of problem against Central Lafouche? I don't know, but you know, Central Lafouche, if they if Central Lafouche would have beaten Franklin, who is not a particularly good team in a lower classification, I'd say maybe there was a little something there, but I, I don't think so. You definitely can't say that there's anything that's gonna lead you to believe that HL Bourgeois could upset Destrahan. Or, for that matter, Hornville upsetting East St. John. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of Ellender or South Terrebonne, that's a big one for you because somebody's got to get off of the uh, schneid a little bit and win that game. And in uh, talking to John Hazlitt earlier this week, he said their offense just can't generate any points. So uh, they're trying to find something, and maybe South Terrebonne is a ticket for them to do that. So that's a big rival game. So, so to say that is that one game, I get you know I think it would beat a Lutcher South Lafouche game, and on a lower classification level, probably Hanson against uh, CCA. Man, um, I was actually talking, and, and I, he's not going to mind me me dropping his name because he was saying something positive about another local school. I was talking to Chris Dugay yesterday at Central Lafouche's JV game, and I asked him, I said, "Hey, man, uh, what you seeing on the river this year?" And he said, "Well, you know, obviously Destrian and East Saint John are, are very good, but said Hanville's a little down, and, and we know that." But I asked him, I said, "Hey, is anybody on the Bayou could could jump up and get him?" And Chris told me, and, and maybe this is just kind of coach speak because he's facing him this week. But Chris told me, "Hey, 
if Terrebonne plays ball, I think that they could maybe compete. He said, hey, certainly I think they could beat Hanville. But he said it wouldn't surprise me if they played a four-quarter close hard-fought game with an East St. John Ardestrahan. So Chris is on board with the idea that Terrebonne might be a, a legit contender in 5A. I would say what Terrebonne is at right now is at, one, I think they'll be a favorite over Hornville. Two, I think against East St. John, if they could sort of get East St. John pointing the finger at each other by the end of the third quarter, meaning they play them tough, and then East St. John's like, man, we didn't know what it was like to play a tough district game, and, and you know, they're in it in the fourth quarter. Maybe they could win that one. I don't think they're at that Destrehan level before quarters yet. I, I, I think Destrehan is the kind of team that gets you pointing to your finger <laughs> at each other. So that being said, I, I, obviously it's some strides, you know. And, and listen, as we're saying that about Terrebonne and thinking that Terrebonne might be the only bioregion team that can sort of compete or at least, you know, give a little bit of fright to East St. John and Destrehan, I would say don't forget Thibodeau. The only thing about Thibodeau is is because you played such a brutal schedule this year. And when I say brutal, and to think you have E.D. White coming up, who is one of the best teams, obviously, in AAA, but even better than that when you consider, you know, that they're going to be in that bracket in 2A or, or Division II, uh, I think Thibodeau might be thinking, you know what, y'all keep y'all eye on Terrebonne being the big dog. We're going to sneak up and we're going to show y'all we can be. So don't forget them. The only thing is, kids, it seems like on the high school level, once you start to lose a number of games in a row, you might have been good early on, but the kids just sort of get demoralized. So we'll see. And who knows? Thibodeau is a team against E.D. White. I think that can maybe make a – I think they're going to give E.D. White at least the best game that E.D. White has gotten to this point, but maybe even scare them a little bit. I'm sure Dre Trosclair, who's an E.D. White graduate, would love to get back at his alma mater just a little bit and show him that he's doing some good things with Thibodeau High. So that one might be a little so, – so, yeah, while we're looking at Terrebonne, let's not forget that Thibodeau High might have something to say about all of this too. LSU wins against Arkansas, uh, survive. Uh, they're, they're trailing for a lot of the game, rally back and get a 34-31 win. Um, defense didn't play well. And I, I mentioned earlier in the week, look, your defense is probably not as good as it, as it showed against Mississippi State. It's probably not as bad as it showed against Arkansas. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And if, if you're an LSU fan, you got to be hoping that it's more in the middle, closer to the Mississippi State than it is to the Arkansas. Because, man, you're approaching a game against Ole Miss coming up here on Saturday. That's a true toss-up. And if LSU doesn't get better in the secondary and doesn't get better at tackling the quarterback whenever they've got pressure on the quarterback, they're going to give up some points on Saturday. And now, now, look, on the flip side to that, I think that LSU offense is elite. I think they're going to score on everybody that they play, and, and they're going to score – 28-plus points on everybody that they, that they play. But, boy, if that defense doesn't start getting better, um, they're going to need every last one of those points to win some of these games coming up. Yeah, you know, LSU is basically a version of, uh, of, 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 of a kissing coach team. A lot of offense, but you can't really stop anybody, and you're going to be in shootouts every week, and it looks like that's what it's going to come down to because I just have come to the – 
belief that Mississippi State wasn't very good overall, just wasn't a very good team, which you saw against Arkansas might be a little bit more about what you're going to see with LSU from week to week. A good elite offense that's going to score a lot of points. How much can your defense give you? And you just mentioned that you hope the defensive backfield could come up big for LSU. I, I got to tell you, you know, the DBs are going to be what they are at LSU this year, this year. I think where you need to get it from is your pass rush and making sure that Dart stays in the pocket and that you tackle him when you have a chance to tackle him because I think that the defensive line is going to be key in this game. And that's one thing on defense I'm a little surprised we haven't seen that's been quite honestly good for LSU is that I'm not saying that spot players don't play well. Wingo has played well at times. Uh, The Jefferson kid is coming along and he's playing well at times, but overall a defensive line play hasn't been good. Kind of happy with the linebackers. I think the Weeks kid has come in and he's been a player for them. And obviously we know what Harold Perkins is. And then it goes back to the defensive backs. And then that's been suspect. I, I do like this. Obviously, you know, they've been sitting and Coach Kelly has been harping, do your job. Don't worry about other people's job. And you could see when they got burned in the defensive backfield a couple of times, the guys back there left their zone or their man to kind of go help out when there was scrambling going on, help out somebody else, and they got burned for it. And I think if that's hammered home enough that you do your job, don't worry about it. If something happens somewhere else because of somebody else, that's that's their problem. That's not your problem. I think they're going to be better for it. I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good football game, but I do think because LSU learned a lesson against Arkansas, I think they'll win this. Jaden Daniels has been outstanding this season. 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, completing 72.6% of his passes. And, man, look, the knock at the beginning of the year was, oh, he wants to run every play. He's not comfortable in the pocket. I got to tell you, the last two games, not only has he looked comfortable in the pocket, but, boy, he's made some throws that I don't know that very many other quarterbacks in the country can make. One of those touchdown passes to neighbors was thread the needle, like, exceptional. LSU's got an elite quarterback. Look, the fan base doesn't fully appreciate him. Every Saturday I'm seeing, oh, you got to play Nuss. Daniels isn't good, blah, blah, blah. But, boy, I think just looking at this objectively, LSU's got a really, really good player in their center. I, I think he's elite, like, 70% of the time. Like yep. 70% of his throws are there and they're very good throws. The thing is, is they don't always, sometimes he just needs to throw it up and trust the receiver. Yeah. He sort of did that with Brian Thomas one time where the ball was a little underthrown, but that's okay. And, you know, it's still going to show the next day in the stat line that it was a whatever, 50-something yard touchdown pass. And it was a little short. So those things are going to happen, and you have to trust. So, yeah, he's doing everything right. I think the more Logan Diggs is sort of involved, I think the better he's going to be. I think the more – even, you know, Josh Williams had a nice run right before half uh, against Arkansas. And I thought that that's a key run because all of a sudden in the second half, that's going to loosen up some things and make some things better for LSU's offense. So obviously, you know, run game is, is, is important, but I think as that's starting to come around a little bit too, and it's going to help, obviously, 
with that offense. Hey, yeah, no worries about the LSU offense, none whatsoever. Uh, let's just hope they can stop Ole Miss. Look, man, uh, shifting to Nichols a little bit before we talk about the Saints, the Southland Conference right now is turned upside down on its head. Um, one of the reigning annual contenders in the is, is Southeastern. They lost to Houston Christian, who wasn't supposed to be any good. Stan, every single Louisiana-based Southland program doesn't have a win yet. Nichols is 0-3, Northwestern 0-3, McNeese 0-4, Southeastern 0-4. Um, and I understand, you know, hey, they've been playing some big dogs and you know, elite competition. I don't have a clue if Nichols is any good or not. You know, just based on this competition, they, they played Sacramento State close, which is a good result and probably a good sign. You shouldn't compete with TCU nor Tulane, and you didn't. Now, Saturday against McNeese, I think, is whenever, you know, the, the, we put the, the pedal to the grindstone here. I think Saturday is when we find out what the Colonels are truly about, going on the road, taking on a, an 0-4 team. Colonels got to have that one. Just looking at some of the social media I see coming out of Thibodeau and Nichols, it looks like it, it reminds me of the old days of high school football when you played a pre-district slate and then you totally wiped the slate clean because districts meant everything. That's how you got into the playoffs. And that's what they're sort of trying to hammer home right now in Thibodeau is, hey, the, what you did so far didn't matter. That was preseason. It, now it's go time. Now it's time for us to go out and win a conference championship. And I would tell you that except for maybe, you know, incarnate word, I'm still going to give them a little bit of the nod. I think Nichols is right up there to potentially have a chance to win it and as good a chance as anybody else, quite honestly, because of sort of what you mentioned before. It's okay if, you know, Nichols is not feeling real good about themselves because they had three losses. You shouldn't. You should, you know, that's when you get better, when you look back at the tape and you figure it out. But I'm going to tell you what, the three losses that they have, meaning Nichols, is sure a lot impressive than any of the other teams in that conference. I mean, like, McNeese State was losing to, like, Tarlington State, people like that, <laughs> right. you know. So, yeah, I, I, I think that maybe this is the best-case scenario for Nichols right now after the three games they played. You know, we thought maybe they could beat a Sacramento State, and then all of a sudden you realize Sacramento State has gotten really good the last couple of years. I'm not sure you ever were going to beat TCU because TCU's just got so many more resources than you. And then Tulane happens to be really good these last two years. So, yeah, it's a best-case scenario. Now, if you go out and you lose to McNeese, then you're starting from square one again. So may- maybe the biggest game of the year this week is, is for Nichols to go out and take care of McNeese and set a trend for the rest of the conference slate. I agree. Look, the Saints have a big one Sunday as well. They're taking on Tampa in the Dome. It's a battle of two and one teams. New Orleans gagged one away Sunday. There's no other way to slice it. You're up 17 to nothing with 11 minutes to go. You can't possess the ball long enough to drain the clock, and then your defense suddenly collapses. Derek Carr's telling everybody willing to listen, hey, if I'm physically able to play, I'm going to play. But, man, I don't know about you, bro. Um I wouldn't mess around with this. This could be something that can nag. If he gets hit by Devin White on Sunday and he falls on that shoulder again, then it could become a six- to eight-week issue or something. that like, like if I'm New Orleans, I'm telling Carr, bro, just sit out until you're fully ready to go. Let's roll with Jameis. Even if it messes up our chances on Sunday, you got to look at the big picture here, man, and I don't want them to, to mess around and maybe screw this thing up. 
Uh, to me, it doesn't matter if it's Carr or Jameis Winston. Don't get me wrong; I would prefer it to be Carr. But my point is, can't block. That if you're sitting on if you're sitting on your backside, <laughs> you know, you can't. And and that's what the deal is: if you can't block up front. And this is all about offensive line play for the Saints, uh, from what I've seen to this point. It's funny the way I found out. Truth be known, I didn't see any of the Saints game. I was at my uh, nine-year-old grandson in the Woodlands, Texas. He plays on a little travel baseball team, and they were having a tournament, which, by the way, the baseball over there and the basketball over there, it, it's its out of this world crazy. But uh, there were a bunch of Texans tents, like at this park we were at, and the way I heard the Saints lost was uh, the group, the family next to us, one of the guys yelled out to the rest of his family, Hey, look get this. The Saints were winning seventeen to nothing in the fourth quarter and they just lost eighteen to seventeen. And we kinda of all looked at each other and put our heads down like, Well, typical kind of Saints from back in the day. <laughs> and then I was thinking, Yeah, but they're Texans fans. What do they have to brag about? And then I pulled out my cell phone and went look and see that the Texans blasted whoever they <laughs> Jacksonville, played. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had nothing to brag about that day whatsoever. So, yeah, that obviously it seems like the more I hear about the game, it was such a huge, tough loss, one that you're going to look back at the end of the year and go, that was the game, right? So, uh, you know, and then you lose your quarterback during the game. I, I still – you may have won it if Carr would have been in the game, but you can't win from your backside. That's the bottom line. And don't forget this. You have to have those superstars kind of step up. And, and the Saints didn't get a whole lot from Cam Jordan or Demario Davis or guys that maybe could have put an end to that in the fourth quarter. So uh, it's a little you know, concerning that uh, the defense didn't do what they had to do. You know, and I know they can't do it all the time. But just to do enough to get that win and maybe recoup when you're going in and play this one. So... I would agree with you. It needs to be Winston this week, and uh, he ought to be fired up to play his old team and everything. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but if you're on your backside, you can't beat anybody anyway. A lot of folks think the Miami Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. They've opened up the season with a win over the Chargers, a road win against New England, and they put up 70 against Sean Payton and Denver, winning 70-20. to They're going to Buffalo this week. That's kind of the game of the week in the NFL. The Bills are kind of what Miami is, right? They're that team that's always, you know, kind of well, what, what Miami's trying to be. Miami's trying to get to the door and start knocking. Buffalo, for the last three or four years, has been knocking on the door, haven't been able to break it down. If the Dolphins go on the road and beat Buffalo Sunday, that's going to be a, a huge statement win, and we might have to reevaluate who the top dogs in the AFC actually are. Yeah, you know what I like in Miami, too? And I don't know if you're going to like me saying this very much. But I liken them to the NFC's Dallas Cowboys. No, that's fair. Yeah. That is a team that I think is one of the better teams in their particular league, a team that can really make a run at the whole enchilada. But somewhere along the line, you're going to stub your toe, and it's going to be like, how did that happen? Sort of like what happened with the Cowboys this past weekend. And I think Miami is going to hit one of those. I think a lot of times when you're seeing yourself winning 70, you know, or scoring 70 points, which, by the way, couldn't happen to a better guy, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that to me sort of says, yeah, we can do it all, but 
but we might read our press clippings a little bit too much. I don't know. I, I think they're still going to be up and playing well for Buffalo. I think it's the uh, other teams you have to worry about, a.k.a. the Cardinals or somebody like that, that you have to worry about Miami stubbing their toe on. I, I don't think they're the best team in the league yet. I still think, you know, the Chiefs still sort of hold that moniker. And I was ready to start turning that moniker over to sort of the Cowboys. Ugh. But obviously, mm. and, you know, I don't know how that happened, but, but, but it did. And you got to be ready to play every week. I do think the Buffalo-Miami game is the game to watch this week. I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but still, I'm not ready to turn over the crown to uh, Miami just yet. You know what's so fun about it is, you know, like you think of the, the stereotypical NFL head coach, and, and it's kind of changed lately because now we got some younger, more charismatic guys. But historically – it's a meathead. It's a an old offensive lineman, you know, like a Andy Reid or an old tight end like a Dan Campbell, you know, that type of guy. Miami's head coach is just a nerd, like just a, a guy who studied X's and O's his whole life, you know, didn't necessarily always play at a high level. He's just a nerd. And, I, you know, you, you watch his interviews and he says crazy things. And he's almost become like the Mike Leach, God rest his soul, of the NFL. He's just that character. And for that reason, I kind of root for him. It's a little bit different. No, I really like it. I like the intellectual guy doing it. Listen, and I'll do different things around the area talking about high school sports. And I had a guy just recently come up say, you know, it was nice talking to hearing you the other day talk about this because I know you had coached. And I want to say to him, I don't know how much that matters, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, you know, how you treat a high school kid and what kind of rapport you have with them, I'm sure, matters. But but overall, the intellect of what you know about the sport, the X's and O's, I think anybody can have that. And obviously this guy does. I got to say that he must have some sort of intangible the way he deals with those <coughs> professional players. I don't know what it is, but he can't just be a nerd all the time around them because that wouldn't work in the locker room. I really believe that he's, he's got some kind of rapport with them where they respect what he's saying. He, he's also the most likely candidate to get fired very quickly if things go south because he's not a Dan Campbell and was in the locker room at one time, whatever. I mean, you know, the big meme right now is they're showing him as a ball boy for the <laughs> Broncos back in the day, and it's like, God, that – I guess that shows hope for everybody, but no, I, I I love the intellect, and I think today you're playing in a very intellectual game where people are not very patient. They're not going to sit around for you know four yards in a cloud of dust anymore. They want big play every play, and he's figured out a way to sort of beat the system where not necessarily a big play every play, but I have enough weapons that I can bide my time to get that big play enough. And they certainly have been. No, he seems like a really smart guy. But I would bet that he's also a good locker room coach, too. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, man, we thank you so much for the time. We'll chat on Saturday, okay? Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yep, for sure. That is Stan Gravov. We love chatting with him. Give us some great insight. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to the Turtle. Taylor Griffin will be joining us here on Play by Play. We'll be right back after this. 
Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne building materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand-related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafourche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse, 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Bonjour, mes amis. This is Brent with Etouffee Cutoff. Are you looking for that authentic Cajun cuisine like Grandma used to make? We have it right here at Etouffee. We're located at 15741 East Main in Cutoff, Louisiana, the corner of Highway 308 and East 67th Street. Hi, I'm Parker Collins. Hi, I'm Madison Collie. I'm E-I-A-2-Fay. located at 15741 East Main Street, Cutoff, Louisiana. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. I'm a, uh, I'm not a very good radio host today. I realized that I booked Taylor Griffin this morning at 11:45. I booked Stan Gravois this morning at 12:15. So I got my call-in guests mixed up. It should have been Stan this segment. We got Stan early, and now now Turtle's going into a meeting. So that's my bad, y'all. Um, so anybody was looking forward to hearing the Turtle speak, uh, that's an error on the host. We've got some games tonight around the state of Louisiana. <clears throat> Airline and Natchitoches Central, Benton and Bird, Captain Shreve and Parkway, East Ascension and De La Salle, Arid and Easton, um, Wachita Parish and Wachita Christian, Parkway and Captain Shreve, Walker versus Bel Air, Franklin Parish versus Union Parish, Livonia versus East Feliciana, McDonough 35 and Salmon, uh, Abbeville, West St. Mary, Bolton and Block, Caldwell Parish against Satan, uh, Sacred Heart, 
Church Point and Mamu, Glen Oaks versus Parkview, Haynes Academy, Jules Sumner, Madison Prep versus Helix Mentorship Academy, whatever that is, Patterson and Franklin, um, Beekman Charter and Montgomery, and on and on. I'm not going to read the whole list. Central Catholic is playing tonight against Generet. Uh, you told me some history tonight. Um, yes, it's, it's the Glen Oaks and Parkview game. <clears throat> history made in the LHSAA tonight. Is this, I think I, I think I saw what you're talking about. Is this the um, all-female officiating Winner, crew? Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. That's it. All-female officiating crew tonight. Okay. So that'll be exciting. We'll see how that one goes. Parkview taking on Glen Oaks. We wish those ladies the best of luck. Uh, I don't think we have a, a female football official in our association, do we? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, no. Not, I, not I, that I'm aware. I of. don't. If, if so, maybe in the Thibodeau area that we don't see much. Yeah. I. I not, yeah. There's certainly not a, a plethora of them, if there's any at all. I know there's a bunch for basketball, certainly. Um, but anyway, that, that's cool. That that'll be a great opportunity. To look. Aaron and Easton tonight's going to be a great game. East Ascension and De La Salle is going to be a great game. East Ascension has, let me tell you this, East Ascension has the hardest schedule in like the history of high school football. They're, they are winless on the season, um, but I think that they're really good just based on the results. East Ascension so far this year has lost 24-7 to to Zachary. No shame there. 34-20 to to West Monroe. No shame there. 21-7 to Destrehan, 21-14 to Alexandria. That's one they would have maybe wanted to get because Alexandria is not quite at that high level. Then now you're playing De La Salle tonight, then Santamont next week, then Walker the week after that, then Denham Springs the week after that, then Live Oak, then Dutchtown. That's the hardest schedule like that I've ever heard. Um, I mean, just, well, I guess if you're in a Catholic league schedule like John Curtis or whatever, you got some some really tough ones too. But who? Poor East Ascension. That's a, a brutal, brutal schedule. I believe we start Catholic League play. Um, I this think week. they started last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Um, so this week in the SEC of high school football, we've got Brother Martin taking on Edna Carr. <laughs> Rumble is outside of district playing Scotlandville. Yeah, that'll be a real cupcake matchup there with the mighty Scotlandville. Um, let's see. We've also got. Curtis, who will be taking oh the no, Holy Cross and Curtis, that's that's big time. Jesuit and St. Aug. Can you imagine being in that district? Like all of those teams, if they were in any other bracket, could win the state championship, but they're all in the same division one select bracket, so they all beat each other. Well, in there now, who knows? Yeah, who knows by Tuesday, right? Um the big game, or I say the big game, one of the big games is Zachary making a road trip to play West Monroe. That's Dude, that's 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 ridiculous. Um, hey, look, and just a few years ago, you would never hear of teams traveling to West Monroe for a regular season no. game. They would have to play out of state schools because no one would want to play them. And, and now, then I believe it was uh, Sinemont had. Oh, I'll pull up their a schedule. school that was shut down or. Um, Oh man, one of the schools I think it had to forfeit their games. Santa Mont is four and zero. They have beaten Carver, Booker T, Washington, Kennedy, and Opelousas. And who they're playing <clears throat> Friday? Jefferson Rise Charter. Yes, they had to pick them up because the school they were playing—I forgot who it was. 
is no longer playing. Paul Vita Jefferson Rice this year. Charter. So that's the <laughs> their, their coach said that's the only school in the state that had an opening week uh, on week five. So they have to play them, and it's Santa Mont's homecoming. They're going to have a, a pretty nice and comfortable homecoming, yeah. something tells me. Um, locally, South Lafouche and Lutcher, I watched the junior varsity last night, and I know that you can't tell, you know, from one JV game how it's going to transfer over to the varsity. But the one concern that I would have from the Tarpons' perspective just watching last night's JV game is that if their JV backs and receivers are that fast, then, boy, they're going to have a lot of speed on offense because those kids were flying. Um, now, the Tarpons on the back end have some guys that can run. Jakias and you know Jarvis and Comerdale, those are guys that, that they could run. They, they could, you know, they're, you're not going to easily turn the corner on them. Um, but, boy, it was telling last night that the difference between the Lutcher speed and the South Lafouche speed, I just hope at the varsity level that gap is closed a little bit. Yeah, and it's crazy how, uh, well, now for me, you're listening to both coaches speak in their interviews, and uh, Coach Young is going to tell you Lutcher's offense is is getting better and better each game. Then you hear Coach Jenkins, his interview, saying, yeah, we're still trying to put the pieces together on offense. It's a young group trying to establish our identity. What are we on offense uh, it's going to be interesting to see on, on Friday night Lutcher's offense, if they can move the ball against South Lafourche or not. And if they struggle to move the ball, and it's a big if, but South Lafourche's mm-hmm. defense has been playing great all year. If they struggle to move the football, uh, th- this can be a, cl- a, a close game when it's all said and done. Third phase, uh, special teams is going to be big. Um, Concern. Uh, Coach Jenkins came on and said, hey, we're really good at blocking punts. If a coach is saying that, obviously he ain't lying. They're going to be coming after some kicks. Now, BJ also said to combat that, you know, he said it primarily it's one guy who's attacking. Number five, I believe he said, which I think is the the, the good baseball kid, the uh, Luquette. Um, he said they might be doing some double teams or some different things on him to try to not let him get into the backfield and get to the punter. Um, but even it, it's deeper than if they block a kick. If they just force Nicholas Coleman to rush and he shanks one and it only goes 15, 20 yards, that's field position. And for an offense that struggles, the difference between starting at their own 30 and starting at midfield because you shanked a punt, that's huge. So the Tarpons got to take advantage of every one of those angles. And, and boy, they've got to really play even. You don't want to lose that phase. You don't want to give up a long return or whatever it may be. You cannot lose that phase tomorrow. And and let's watch for adjustments on the special teams because – if Lutcher realizes that their punt blocker is being double teamed, they send him wide, take a, just a, a step or two wide. Opening up a crease. Two guys go on him up that middle. The inside gap is going to be open. Who, who knows? So uh, adjustments will be big on special teams. And regardless, Lutcher's special teams is forcing South Lafouche to, to take practice time and, and try and combat them blocking punts. So I think special teams could be huge in this game. Or um, are you of the belief that Thibodeau could play with E.D. White tomorrow? I, I believe for a little for while. A, a little while. But at the end, I, I just I think – and look, I ton of respect for Thibodeau. I think they're a, a, a pretty darn good football team. But right now, E.D. White just seems to be on a different level. 
Dude, I, I went back. They, they have all their games on YouTube, and I went back and watched the game against Woodlawn. My God, they, they run that option like a machine. It's, it's like an assembly line. The quarterback gets the ball out to the right person every play. And now, if you try to get cute and, all right, we're putting nine in the box. All right, no big deal. We'll play action, and we've got maybe the best receiver in the area outside of Kylan, Billy Ott, and Paxton LaFont. We're going to just throw deep. And we've got a four-year starting quarterback who throws a pretty ball. Um, in years past, the offense for them against the big opponents, I don't want to say was holding them back, right? But they didn't have enough explosiveness. That's part of what cost them in the state championship game two years ago. They got into some two-minute situations late, down a score. They weren't explosive enough to get back in it. Now they are. And now they're getting four or 500 yards a game, and they've still got the really good defense. Ah, I, I just I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very tough for Thibodeau on Friday because you're right that E.D. White's ridiculous, man. They're so good. Yeah, and look, and if E.D. White turns the ball over and E.D. Uh, and Thibodeau takes advantage of it, yeah, they can. But I, I just think it's gonna be too much E.D. White, and no disrespect to anyone, but that's I, right now they're playing on a, a different level. Probably gonna be a tough one for Central Lafouche traveling to take on Terrebonne, um, but. My message to any folks in the Matthews or Raceland area that are listening, be patient, man. I was talking to Coach Duga. I, I spent a, probably about a good 15, 20 minutes talking with him yesterday. And he told me, he said, well, A, <clears throat> you know, the obvious, we're down to our third quarterback. Our starter left the team in the middle of a game. Our backup came in, a kid who we were really excited about, and in the middle of that Vanderbilt game got hurt out for the season. They're playing a receiver, a 10th grade receiver at quarterback, and they know that their offense is limited. But Chris told me something that I didn't realize. You only got like five or six seniors on yeah. the whole team. Um, that's look, South Lafouche is a young team, but they've still got, you know, fifteen or so roughly. Um, so to only have six, um gotta gotta keep your chins up out there in Matthews because look, let's be honest, you're gonna play these river schools coming up and it's gonna be very difficult and there's gonna probably be some rough nights. But if those those kids could stick with it, that youth and that experience, because we saw it down the body last year. A bunch of 10th and 11th graders got their butts kicked. What's happening now? They're playing much better. You can make a big leap forward. It's not going to be the Trojans' year this year, but I think next year they're going to be much improved, much, much better football team. And, and that's the challenge for the coaching staff is to keep these guys together. Where, you know, don't let them get discouraged. Yeah, it's a down year, but keep them together and talk. Look, the future is bright. For this program, and if they can all stay together, yeah, much like, and I, I can't wait for basketball season. I, I want to see what the Trojans do on the court with basketball because they were young for the past summer. two or three years, and now they're all seniors. So uh, we'll see if it's going to pay off for them. Yeah, they definitely had a good summer, and, and I'm with you. I look forward to that as well. Let's catch a break when we get back. A lot of things happening in the world of sports, some very interesting things. Uh, we'll talk about that. History was made on an MLB diamond last night. We'll tell you about that. Uh, it's play-by-play. Play. We'll be right back after this. Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand-new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big-town inventory and small-town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. 
Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dofriend building materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dofriend Easy Buy? Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference. All your auto repairs for your first call should be Detroit's Paint and Body Shop, located at Highway 3235 in LaRose. They're established since 1997. Detroit's Paint and Body Shop is family-owned and operated. They sell parts and repair all makes and models of vehicles. Troy's Paint and Body Shop honors all insurance estimates. Go by and see their trusted team of technicians for all your auto needs. Trust me, Troy's Paint and Body Shop, 985-693-4133. That's 985-693-4133. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top of the line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems, your local power generator professionals, serving the entire Gulf Coast as your Kohler Titanium dealer. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators. For the most trusted brands in the industry, Kohler, Generac, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins, Onan, and more, Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems is the place for you. 152 North Hollywood Road in Homa and Highway 3235 in Galliano. Welcome back to Play by Play. Uh, we've got about 25 minutes to spend with you guys, and we'll go over some of the headlines. Last night, history was made in Major League Baseball, and it kind of caused a little bit of a traca, as we say down the bayou. Ronald Acuna uh, became the first ever member of the 4070 Club, 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. There have only been, I think, five or six players to ever be in the 4040 Club. But Acuna is the first to have ever been in the 40-70 club. Now, everybody's happy for Ronald Acuna. He's my favorite player, the best player on my favorite team, all that. <clears throat> Here's where the drama comes. Um, Atlanta has clinched home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They are playing for nothing the rest of the season. They're playing to try to not get hurt. They're not even throwing their starting pitchers the rest of the year. They're throwing, you know, minor league guys, whatever. They're just trying to get to the postseason healthy. They beat the Chicago Cubs last night, who are in a tie right now for the last wild card spot. And the Cub fans are crying and whining and saying that the Braves were classless because Acuna stole his second base of the game last night in the bottom of the 10th inning. So to get his 70th steal... He stole a base in the bottom of the 10th inning with the game tied. And they stopped the game briefly. Acuna took the base out of the ground, held it up in the air, hustled it back to the dugout, keep it as a, a game, uh, like a keepsake. They stopped the game for five or six minutes to acknowledge, hey, this is the first time this ever happened in baseball history. 
the Cubs are having a fit. Oh, we need to win this game. You know, it's it's a huge. It, it means nothing to y'all, but it means something to us. And blah 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 blah. And then the, the next batter, by the way, gets a base hit and wins the game for Atlanta. You ice star pitcher. You know, it's unfair not respecting the game, whatever it may be. It's the only time this has ever happened, ever. Like I I, I kind of sort of see their their gripe, but. This is history, man. You, if you're the Cubs, you've had 162 games to not be in the wild card chase. Simple. Throw them out. <clears throat> Thank you. Don't let them steal a base. And you're respecting history. It's something that never happened before. <clears throat> so, yes, I take the time out. Acknowledge them. And if you don't want to stop and play, throw his butt out. I, I'm with you on that. Um I understand, you know, frustration, and I understand that the timing's not right, and ideally this would have happened in the second inning or whatever, but the way the game fell, he stole the base in the 10th inning, and you're right. If you don't want him to steal, throw him out. Don't let him be on second base. Um, Acuna's ridiculous, man. Um, the, the, the dude is 25 years old. This season he's batting 336, 41 home runs, 104 RBI, with the 70, uh, 70 stolen bases. Um, unbelievable. Can't wait for the MLB playoffs. It's going to be so exciting. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, but you, you're, you're like me. If you don't want it to happen, um, don't let it happen. Um, yesterday, <laughs> people in southeast Louisiana are going to appreciate this. I don't know what the hell it was doing happening in Philadelphia, but yesterday was um, pet day at the park in Philadelphia. And a fan who has been identified as Joey Henney showed up to the park saying that he had a service animal. Not uncommon. A lot of you know folks either with disabilities or epilepsy or PTSD or whatever, they have service animals. They have you know dogs or whatever that stay with them all day long. Not uncommon. But Joey Henney's service animal was a five-foot alligator that he had on a leash trying to walk into the park. <laughs> okay was denied entry into the stadium and is now threatening (laughs) legal action because this is his service animal, he says. The stadium policy, written by the Philadelphia Phillies website, says certified service dogs or service dogs in training for guests with special needs are always welcome, but all other animals are prohibited. There's no such thing as a service (laughs) alligator. What are we talking about here, man? Like, that. that's such a... Galliano thing to do showing up at Memorial Stadium with a with a, a pet alligator. Hey, I didn't even know they had alligators in Philadelphia. Where are they getting this alligator from, man? Like my man Molinaire, the king of the swamp, RJ, you might be fishing in the wrong waters, yeah. bro. Because it sounds like in the Northeast they got some gators. I, can you imagine being the okay? I in my job, I hear some weird stuff, right? Because you know, newspaper guy, media guy, people tell me stories. of the time it's not true or it's grossly exaggerated, the stories that I hear. Can you imagine being the ticket person at the turnstile and you see a guy that's like fourth in line and he's walking an alligator into the stadium? Like, what do you even say? What, like, what do you tell the person? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'd say you get in free and I would run. I wouldn't stay around that thing. Oh, it's crazy, crazy, man. Um, in it's col- insane. Yeah, you even think of doing something. Right, right. It, it, unbelievable. Colorado star player Travis Hunter um, <clears throat> showed, uh, earned a little bit of my respect. I'll be honest with you. Earned a little bit of my respect. Not that I, I, I have anything against Travis Hunter, but he, he earned some respect and, and scored some points. 
Yesterday, Travis Hunter, the the two-way star at Colorado, who's out for several weeks with a lacerated liver, um, made a trip out to Colorado State's campus to visit with Henry Blackburn, the player who kind of cheap-shotted him and injured him. Uh, the two spent an afternoon together getting to know one another and then went bowling um, and now are considered to be friends. Um, since this happened, Hunter has been saying, hey, man, I don't even think it was a dirty play. You know, hey, it's football. He hit me. He laid me out. It's part of the game. Hunter's been handling it well. Um, but to go that little extra mile and now to make a pot now out of this, especially when Blackburn's been getting death threats on social media, which is ridiculous, um, good on Travis Hunter, man. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, it is. It's uh, a positive thing, and I hate to even think it or say it, but maybe uh, his coach had something to do with it. Yeah, it was like Dion is for all of his uh, shenanigans. He has also been telling people to lay off of Blackburn. You know, saying hey, it wasn't a, a negative play. It was just something that happens in football from time to time. One of my favorite weeks in golf is happening this week. Um, we've got the Ryder Cup, which will begin tomorrow. It's going to be played on European soil out in Italy. I don't know how much of the Ryder Cup you have watched in your time as a sports fan, but when it's in America, they openly root for the Americans and boo the Europeans. When it's in Europe, they openly boo the Americans and cheer the Europeans, and I love that atmosphere. There's nothing like, look, because stereotypical golf is you clap for everybody, you cheer for everybody, blah, blah, blah. I always hated that. If I'm watching on a Sunday and I'm pulling for Tiger Woods to hold off Sergio Garcia, when Sergio Garcia hits the ball in the bunker, I'm I'm happy about that. I'm excited about that. I love the crowds at the Ryder Cup. Hopefully the Americans beat the snot out of the Europeans and establish their dominance. It's going to be hard to do over there against the crowd. But I like a little golf where the fans bring a little college football to it and get a little rowdy. I like that. Yeah, well, I, a lot of people, I guarantee you, do that watching at home. You're cheering for someone. and Of course you celebrate yes, the other guy messing up. Of course. Up. How many times I was like, Tiger, miss this putt. Miss this putt. Miss <laughs> this putt. God dog it. <laughs> yes. Big NBA trade yesterday. Damian Lillard goes to the Milwaukee Bucks in a blockbuster three-team trade. Um, the Portland Trail Blazers get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, um, Tumani Kamara. Milwaukee's uh, first-round pick in 2020, uh, 2029. And a pick swap in 2028 and 2030. Um, the Suns receive Yusef Nurkic, uh, a big center from the Portland Trailblazers, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. And of course, the Bucks get Damian Lillard. Um, I think the Bucks made a mistake. I think Drew Holiday is a winning player. Yep. I think Drew Holiday um, is a great defender, a big shot maker late in games. And I think the only person that Damian Lillard makes better is Damian Lillard. That's the reason why he's never won in Portland. Yeah, he could shoot threes from 10 feet behind the line, but what does that do to help anybody else? Um, He doesn't play very good defense. He's 33 years old. So I don't know, man. Milwaukee gets the big fish here, and it's obvious what they're doing because all offseason Giannis has been rumbling, hey, you know, I'm starting to get a little antsy here. So it's obvious what they're doing. But their desperation might end up costing them because if they have a worse season this year, bye-bye. Greek, uh, Greek Freak's going to demand the trade, and he's going to go to New York. So they better make this work. There's a lot of pr- uh, pressure now on Milwaukee. They better make this work. I think it was a good trade for Portland. I mean, uh, Damon wasn't happy. Yeah. Uh, they're getting two solid players. Well, 
one because they've already said they're they're trading Drew Holiday to a contender, but that's going to mean draft picks and like so they can trade Holiday. Yeah, they're not keeping Drew Holiday. They um wow. they're going to trade him to a contender uh, because they drafted Scoot Henderson, who who they want to be the the guard that they build their franchise around. So Portland's intent is to ship Holiday to the Miami Heat or to the 76ers or whoever, Pelicans. and get and maybe them as well, and then try to get some draft picks or whatever uh, to, to to try to secure their future. The team that I think made out well in this is the Suns. The Suns had no use for De- uh, Andre Ayton. They would bench him in the playoffs, and now they get Nurkic, who I think is very good. They get a shooter in Grayson Allen. Nasir Little is, is very versatile. They gave up very little, and I think got a lot. I think the Suns did an excellent job in that trade, um, just adding a little bit of depth and getting some role players, man. Pelicans are pretty quiet. Not hearing much about them. Well... They did have their usual. Someone got injured last week. Trey Murphy got hurt. Uh, he's going. Oh, I did see that. He's going to miss the beginning of this season. If I were a big Pelicans guy, I would be livid with this off season. You, you you've done nothing. You haven't signed anyone. You drafted your you know a couple of guys here and there with your picks, but you have done nothing. Well, we talked about it before. They bank it on staying healthy and they comfortable with the guys they have. Okay, so and if they stay healthy, possibility. Here, here's my thing. With the last, okay, the, the I, I'll 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 bring it on me. With the way my last three months have gone, are you banking on me selling your soul towards me being here every single Monday through Friday for the next three months? No, Probably not, right? No. no. Why the hell are they doing it with Zion Williamson, who's proven that he's never been able to stay healthy? Because Zion told him, look, I'm okay. <laughs> you guys wonder why I pick on the New Orleans teams. They they bring it on themselves. Let, let Look, let's just wait and see if they stay healthy, which chances are they won't. But if, what's going to happen? How are they going to do? Yeah, that's fair, but but with that having been said, in my opinion, this has to be the last year that you do that. If it doesn't work, Zion gets hurt, Ingram gets hurt. You, no, you have yeah. to break that. You have to break the castle at that point. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. This is the last hoorah. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll talk about a good Thursday night football matchup that is going to be played tonight, um, and we'll also talk about a little bit of New Orleans Saints news as Derek Carr is trying to give it a go on Sunday. We'll be right back after this. Hi. My name is Daniel Lorraine, candidate for re-election for Lafouche Parish Councilman, District 9. I'm presently retired and have the knowledge, the experience, and the desire to keep serving the people of South Lafouche. Let me continue to be the voice of South Lafouche. On October the 14th, I would appreciate your vote and support. Number 82, God bless, paid for by the Daniel Lorraine Campaign Fund. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. How about becoming a part of something bigger and join the team? We're currently hiring for welders, fitters, and blaster painters to work at our fabrication yard in LaRose. You can apply now at www.danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado. 
with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper, or if it's just you for your daily commute, the Confident and Toy capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafourche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Tonight, a reminder that at 6 o'clock, uh, Coach Kyle and I will be at Central Lafouche um, for Golden Medal taking on Bayou Blue. Don't know what to expect there, man. We've seen Golden Medal a couple of times. I've not seen Bayou Blue this year. I know last year it was a rough year for them, but they've already got a W this year. They beat Lockport, so it should be a good ball game. I was I, at the Golden Medal practice yesterday. How did that go? Speaking to a couple of coaches, look, I was impressed with their, uh, their structure they had. It was a walkthrough. And they were all engaged, listening to Coach Brunet, Coach Eisenman, Coach Danos over there, uh, and speaking with uh, Coach Eisenman. He was telling me that they should have a size advantage tonight, that he uh, expects their offensive line to come out and blow by your blue off the line of scrimmage. That's their plan. And um, we'll see. But hopefully they, they think they can move the football on them. Could potentially be a second straight win for the Lions. Um Boy, that'd be a, a good little confidence booster. Tonight, after we get done at Central Lafouche, uh, my eyes are going to be on Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime Video. The Lions are traveling to take on Green Bay. Detroit's a two-point favorite. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of Detroit. This one's a true toss-up to me. I don't know what to make of Detroit. Detroit plays really well some weeks. Then some weeks they lose at home to Seattle. Um, Green Bay, kind of the same thing. They should have beat Atlanta, kind of gave that one away. Should have lost to New Orleans, found a way to win that one. Offensively, they're only getting 300 yards a game, which is not very good. But Jordan Love is making the throws that he has to when he has to. Um, So this is one that if you're asking me for something in Vegas, I'm not touching it. I I would lean Detroit tonight, but I I truly believe Green Bay is going to just at home be very solid all year. I think this is going to be a very difficult game to forecast tonight. Again, I think the Lions could – Make a statement this year early, not wait to the end of the season like they did last year. Uh, what's the line? It's close. One Detroit by two. By two. I, I would I would pick the lines. I mean, I, I still – Saints should have beat Green Bay last week. They didn't, but they, sh- they should have. And I think the, the lines are, are better. This just is- can they slow Green Bay down a little and pressure the quarterback? This is a big game because – it's already looking like in the north, Minnesota and Chicago are, are washed. They're 0-3. So you got 2-1 and Detroit, 2-1 and Green Bay. The winner of this one's going to have a leg up in the early lead for that division. So that makes this one even more amplified. That should be a good one. Um, tiebreaker, end of the year. Absolutely. You know, you get your, your early tiebreaker, and yeah, you put some pressure on the other team for that second matchup should, you know, you get this one. College football tonight, there are a couple of games on the schedule, not anything that's must-see TV. 
Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, Temple taking on Tulsa, and Jacksonville State taking on Sam Houston. Tomorrow you got Louisville and NC State, and then you also got a really good one. Utah and Oregon State tomorrow is going to be a really good ball game. That's two teams in the top 25. Cincinnati and BYU tomorrow, and Louisiana Tech and UTEP tomorrow. Um, so a couple of games to pay attention to. And, of course, over the weekend, we've we've run down the, the slate of games throughout the course of the week. Um, so let's talk about the Saints here. Um, Derek Carr said today, or yesterday rather, that he's day by day, and he said, I'm gonna be I'm gonna do everything I can to be out there at my guys. If I could play, I'll play. If I physically just can't play, then I can't and I'll sit out. But if I'm out there, that means I have no fear of re injury and no fear of am I able to help the football team. I'm doing I'm doing everything I can to be out there, but I never want to hurt the team at the same time. Man Then stop <clears throat> holding on the ball so long. Oh, yeah. Um an AC joint sprain is the injury. You're facing a really good Tampa Bay pass rush, and your offensive line is wet, hot trash. Just sit him out. Yeah, I don't think he's playing. Yeah, and, and, well, here's the thing, dude. Even if he does play, he hadn't thrown all week. I'm sure he's in the meetings and everything, and he knows the game plan, but Winston's been getting all the reps. He's going to be the sharper of the two. Now, I don't know if there's a such thing as Jameis Winston being sharp these days. Um, nope. <sighs> But yeah, dude, just sit out the week, man. Like you, you're at home. Jameis Winston should be enough to beat Tampa Bay at home, man. It should be. You got Kamara back. You should be excited. You should be fired up. You're facing Baker Mayfield. They shouldn't score very many. Like, just play Jameis this week. Look, I, I would agree. I don't if he's not. And look, it's great to hear what he's saying. If I, you know, can't help the team if I'm gonna hurt the team, I'm not playing. Blah blah blah. All this stuff. Uh. If he's not a hundred percent, that you, you got to sit him. I agree. I mean, you can't this early in the season playing through it. He gets one hit on there, then he's out for longer. You cannot afford to have Winston start more than one game. I think right now. Now you get Kamara back, uh, yeah, but you still have that offensive line. They got to improve on offensive line, and with the way they've been playing, there's no way I would put my quarterback who's injured back there. I don't care where you're playing or who you're playing. Now, they got him for really cheap, right? So I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say that it was a mistake or a bust or anything. Like I'm not going to do that. But watching the Lions play this year and seeing how they're still able to run the football very effectively with their two backs, including the rookie, and then seeing now that Jamal Williams is already on injured reserve with a hamstring injury, so he's going to miss, miss, miss the next month, and watching in the first two games him get 27 carries and just 74 yards and look kind of slow, maybe Detroit wasn't too excited to re-sign that guy for a reason because he's just looked a little bit slow to me. And I get it, some of it he hadn't had a whole lot of room to run, but he's not a game-changing running back, dude. He needs a big old hold. His, I liken it to Ezekiel Elliott at the end. Zuki Elliott, when you blocked, yeah, he could run through the hole. He could hit it. But Tony Pollard could get yards sometimes even when there's not a hole. Jamal Williams isn't that guy. He, he's more of a Mark Ingram. He needs everything to be right to have success. Look, he performed well in Detroit last year. But my concern is he comes to New Orleans and all of a sudden he's hurt. Wasn't hurt all last year. Crazy how now, that works. Huh? What's happening in New Orleans? Crazy how that works. Always hurt. 
Looking at the injury report for New Orleans, Cesar Ruiz didn't practice Wednesday. I could argue Cesar Ruiz didn't play on Sunday. Yeah. So. <laughs> Agree. Paulson Adebo didn't practice Wednesday, so he's questionable. Derek Carr is questionable. Faustin Moreau is questionable. Um, so, man, you're starting to get some of those little nicks and bruises. Peyton Turner got put on injured reserve last week. Um, you're without Marcus May. You might be without Paulson Adebo again. You're starting to get those little bumps and bruises, and that's what we've talked about is, hey, look, I think New Orleans has a great defense right now, but will they be a great defense 10 weeks from now whenever 34-year-old Cam Jordan has played a full season, when 34-year-old Demario Davis has played a full season? That's what remains to be seen because you're not an offense that's going to score 30. So you have to win these games 20-17 to 17 or 17-14 to 14 because you're not going to win shootouts the way your team is constructed right now. And you better find a way to pressure the quarterback for that defense because they didn't get it done last week and they paid for it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, give me a pick. You, I think you picked Detroit earlier. You're going Lions tonight? Yeah, I'm going Lions. I think they are a better team than Green Bay right now. I'm going to go Lions as well. Reluctantly, I'll go over 45 in that game tonight, too. I think there will be a little bit of points there. Um, in the NFL this weekend, I don't care that the game's in London and there's no true home field advantage. I like the Jags minus three over Atlanta. I bet against Atlanta last week. Told you that was my lock of the week, and I hit. I think Jacksonville's better than the Falcons are. After getting embarrassed last week against Houston, I think they're going to play really well. Um, Dallas is six-point favorite over New England. I ain't touching it. Buffalo, two-point favorite over the Dolphins. I ain't touching it. Um, this one is really surprising to me. Denver's a favorite over the Bears after giving up 70. That just goes to show. How bad the Bears are. That just goes to show. Look, the, the Bears made a mistake, didn't they? Like, the Bears traded um, that number one pick that they had because they said, hey, we believe in Justin Fields. We think that Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Through three games this year, Justin Fields has three touchdowns, four interceptions, and a QBR of 21, which is 34th in the NFL. There's only 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, and your starter is 34th right now in QBR. They're going to have to pull the plug on this guy this offseason, right? Like, he can't be the guy going forward, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to. When you're going to do it, It's uh, he's not very – he wasn't very good last year. Are the Vikings going to trade Kirk Cousins? Because that's the rumor on the on the street is that there are some teams that, you know, the Jets and others that are interested in getting a better quarterback for the playoff run. Not but, now. I don't think they'll trade him now. <laughs> he's actually playing really well. He's got nine touchdowns and two interceptions. They're 0-3, um, but they're 0-3 because they can't get any stops. They've given up 34 points, 28 points, you know, so they're struggling on defense. Um be interesting, but boy, you put a Kirk Cousins on, and I guess I guess Washington wouldn't be the right team for this because he used to play for Washington. But if you put him on a team like, let's say, the Commanders, um, they could potentially contend. But I don't know. I, I, I like you. I think that they're going to probably hold on to him. Um, the Chiefs. Well, and we'll, 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 we we could start to wrap up. The Chiefs are going to be playing the Jets on Sunday Night Football. Taylor Swift's going to be in attendance. They've already, oh, they've already they may be a and they've already said Taylor's coming. Might have something. Over or under a hundred times they show her on TV Sunday. A <laughs> hundred <laughs> I'm gonna go ninety-five. <laughs>
Anyway, that'll wrap up today. Tomorrow, we're going to have Damien. Tomorrow, we are going to try to get Taylor Griffin. My bad for the bugaboo. I just I double-booked myself. Um, tonight, Golden Meadow and Bayou Blue. Uh, 6 o'clock opening kick will be live around 545. Have a wonderful rest of the day. God bless you guys.